0: Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe.
1: And I'm Brenna. (laughs)
0: <laughs> indeed you are yes <laughs> and our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee the Huron-Wendat and the Anishnabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805
1: and on the Tecumloopste Shwetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Shwetmikulu and today's text trickster drift is set in Vancouver the traditional mm-hmm. homeland of the Coast Salish peoples the Squamish, tsleil Musqueam, Stolo and Holmunkan peoples Joe it was so cool to read a book set in Vancouver this book is so Vancouver to me it was kind of it's kind of nice.
0: I love that yeah this is not quite your backyard but it's not too too far away and there is something to be said for reading a book that's set in a city we both kind of know and it's on Mm -hmm. the coast and I don't know I, I missed reading Canadian literature and it was really great to be back.
1: You know I lived in Greater Vancouver for nine years. I'm not intimately familiar with East Van, where most of this book is set. But even so, there, are like, that cafe on commercial drive is an actual cafe where mm-hmm. I have been and moments like that are really nice.
0: Yeah. So, folks, we are talking about Trickster Drift, which is the second of a trilogy by Eden Robinson. Of course, we have already covered the first book in this series when we talked about the TV adaptation, Brett, I'm going to get it over with just right Mm -hmm. off the bat. Mm -hmm. I really like the TV show, and Mm -hmm. I'm still really, really mad that we're never going to get more of it, Mm -hmm. and it sucks, and...
1: Especially the transformation at the end of this book. I would like to see that in a show.
0: So Uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. So folks, I don't know if we did a content warning. I think we did for that first one because there was a lot of domestic abuse and child abuse and drug use. And this book I found to be more palatable Mm -hmm. in those areas. But there is a scene of absolutely shocking violence Mm -hmm. in this book that I was not prepared for.
1: You know, you come out of Son of a Trickster and you're sort of primed for this really violent existence that Jared lives in and he mostly has escaped it for large Mm -hmm. portions of this book and you kind of get lulled into this false sense of security and you feel like everything's gonna be okay and then it's really
0: not! It is not, No. no. So unfortunately, Brenna, this is Book Club, and we did not hear from anybody for Mm. this one. So I don't know if it was just that folks were very busy, or we didn't give them enough advance notice, or maybe that folks hadn't read the first one, so they had to read two books and they couldn't make it happen.
1: That's fair. This is (laughs) definitely a trilogy that you should put on your reading list. I think it's Mm -hmm. a particularly good trilogy for reading in like gloomy, rainy. Like this is a November trilogy, mm. I feel like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Get curled up and cozy and involve yourself in a world that is magical and threatening, but also beautiful and moments of just genuinely like laugh out loud funny. Oh, yeah. If you haven't gotten to this series yet, don't let us talking about it make you feel like you can't jump into it. You, you really should check it out.
0: Oh, yeah, we're absolutely not going to be able to do this justice in a 30-minute mini-sode. Absolutely not. So even though no one managed to write in, I did actually get a message because friend of the show Alex Heaney from 7th Row saw that I was reading this and she warned me against staying up late to Mm -hmm. race to the end because she says it ends on such a cliffhanger Mm -hmm. that you will just be destroyed and needing Mm -hmm. to immediately get the next book. And Mm -hmm. she was not lying.
1: Let me tell you a story about someone who stayed up Very, very late Tuesday night. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I texted you and I was like, why aren't we reading book three right now? I need to know.
0: Oh, absolutely. So Brenna, why don't you walk us through as well as you can (laughs) the overview of what happens in the sequel here?
1: So Jared has moved to Vancouver, or at the beginning of the book, is in the process of moving to Vancouver to go to BCIT. He mm-hmm. wants to get into sort of the medical field, x-ray imaging. He's going to take his prerequisites at BCIT before he goes into this program. And Are you sure you
0: don't want to do something else? <laughs> do you really have your heart set on that?
1: <laughs> Poor Jared. Nobody trusts him to make any decisions. No. No. But some important changes since the end of Son of a Trickster. Jared is sober now, Mm -hmm. and he's reconnecting with his mom's family, maybe against his better judgment. He's got plans of where to stay in Vancouver. They fall through because the guy he was going to stay with is super sketchy and wants him to- basically get back into the world of drugs. And he thinks Jared's sobriety is like great because it means he'll steal less of his product. And
0: Yeah,
1: oh boy. Also Jared's stepdad. Well, yeah, I guess he was his stepdad. The mm-hmm. abusive David from the first book, one of the most horrific scenes of abuse I've ever read. Mm-hmm. He's back and he's, he's back. looking for revenge. He wants to get revenge on Jared for Jared's mom getting revenge on him.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So ultimately, Jared makes kind of a strange decision. Um, His mother recommends that he go and meet up with her sister, who actually has a really fraught relationship with the family. Her sister had tried to take custody of Jared when he was a child, and she didn't think her sister could care for him. And he ends up in this apartment with the most lovable cast Mm -hmm. of characters. I adore all of them, even the ghosts. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Just a weird Motley Crue. So his aunt that he really doesn't have much of a relationship with, apart from the fact that his mother Maggie has more or less said, like, don't involve yourself with her. Mm-hmm. She is kind of a kooky author.
1: Yes, she's a poet.
0: <laughs> yeah, very well respected by the people who know her work, and everyone else is just kind of like, yeah, avoid her when she has to write because she will get into moods. Yep. So there's her... And then we've got Hank, who is kind of her self-proclaimed bodyguard. And he is looking after his nephew, Coda, who is also in recovery. And Coda and Jared make a really nice connection. Mm -hmm. Coda is too spirited, which I really appreciated. It was just a completely different sort of perspective that was missing from that first book. So
1: particularly a different perspective on the idea of addiction and recovery, too, which I thought was Mm -hmm. really well done.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then there's also these two kind of lovable a-holes who (laughs) just continually crash Hank's place and then Maeve's place when they discover that Jared is prone to cooking as part of his recovery. Like, he keeps his hands busy by cooking anything that Maeve has in the fridge. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little girl named Eliza who is just... <laughs> rashly obsessed with uh Frozen, <laughs> Frozen and wants to watch it all the time, much to the chagrin of yes, the resident ghost who lives in May's apartment.
1: But Eliza can see ghosts too, right? Which is such mm-hmm. an important thing for Jared to have this connection with someone else who sees these ghosts because nobody else
0: does no no and part of what's fun about the book is the idea that the apartment itself is a bit of a ghost and spirit magnet right like Mm -hmm. jared moves into this room that has really creepy faces on the wall and they start to react to him but Mm -hmm. he realizes that they're not threatening compared to a sort of sluggish monster that tries to crawl out and wrap itself around his feet every like to suck
1: toes so creepy
0: yeah there's so much vivid imagery in the way that robinson writes this right
1: yes yeah well and that's not even the beginning like there are still more of these family members and hangers on and like Mm
0: -hmm. it's so
1: nice to see jared who in the first book is so isolated so much of the time Mm -hmm. in this second book watching jared try to navigate the idea of family and over the first couple of i don't know 100 pages just so he's really like i'm just staying at Maze until i get money i'm just yes. staying at Maze until i get money and then he kind of has to admit to himself actually i love these weirdos like
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're
1: my life and it's this caring sort of there are it's blood relations right? it's community but it's also like it's a queer family too right there's blood mm-hmm. relations here but it's it's very much not a sort of settler colonial definition of family that we yes. have happening here
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was actually one of the things that I gravitated to most strongly. Like, you could argue that the book doesn't have as much plot as the first one. Mm. It's almost more about Jared just learning to become comfortable around people and letting his defenses fall down. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he's being stalked by David, who takes pictures and threatens him occasionally. But so much of the book is him making food having conversations getting into petty arguments and realizing that he needs to let go of some of his baggage realizing that he is smart yeah that he is he can learn uh things that his mom told him he would never be able to do with a bit of gentle tutoring
1: yeah it's a book about like a kid who's in school and you actually see him studying and taking his exams that never
0: happens. Yeah, he gets a part time job working nights. He goes to he goes to AA meetings. I think somebody I read a review that said he goes to a meeting in almost every chapter of the book.
1: Yeah, and I was reading a review just on Goodreads that was talking about how like as someone newly in recovery, Jared's experiences are really honest and truthful and that need Mm. to be constantly connecting back whether it's to the meeting or to CODA. Mm -hmm. is something that you don't typically see, even in stories that are like explicitly about addiction and recovery.
0: Yeah, something as simple as Jared learning that he really likes lattes as opposed to coffee. And then people start to bring him lattes and macadamia Macadamia nut nut cookies. cookies, And it's such a small little thing. But this book is imbued with all of these nuanced character moments. It is so rich and vibrant. Like initially, I felt overwhelmed. There were too many characters. Jared is so resistant and standoffish to everybody that I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this if Jared doesn't loosen up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, I was 300 pages in and in (laughs) love with everything. And then the ending happens.
1: (laughs) Well, this is exactly what's so devastating to me about the ending. Because at the beginning of the book, Jared's mother is angry at him for two reasons. She's Mm -hmm. angry at him because he's sober. Right. And she's angry at him because he's going to school. Yes. And in both of those ways, she feels like, I mean, it's defensive, right? She feels like he's leaving her and he's never Mm going to come back to her. But it's also like these are things that she has never been able to even imagine for herself, let alone Mm -hmm. actually accomplish. And Jared is doing both of them.
0: Yeah, he's a first gen. uh, He's first in his family to go to post-secondary
1: yes and as the text progresses you're kind of like oh yeah jared like you're doing it like it's hard it and happen. you're struggling but you're <laughs> doing it and you're just moving to the big city and discovering you love a latte which p.s same like went through the same journey
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but
1: but then the end happens and it's devastating because jared is supposed to succeed
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the end happens
0: yeah, so folks, we're going to spoil it because I don't think that we can have a conversation about the book without addressing how it ends. So there's a conflict with this David character that escalates throughout the course of the book and we know it's going to happen. It's inevitable and you keep waiting for Jared to confide in someone, to say, Hank, you're a tank of a human being. Can you please help me deal with this? Uh, To ask his aunt to file the new restraining order to make sure that David doesn't come and harass him anymore. And instead what happens is David nearly hits him with his car. And he is only saved because of Shu, the little ghost girl that is protective of Eliza. Mm -hmm. And then later David tracks him down and whores booze all over him Breaks I cry. Jared's sobriety in the process.
1: Well that scene where he holds him down and mm-hmm. puts the it's so premeditated, that funnel yes. and that bottle of vodka and he oh, forces yeah. and it's so like, I mean, it's such rape-like yeah. imagery mm-hmm. and it's so violent and it's yeah. so devastating. I was absolutely bawling when I realized what he was yeah. about to do to Jared and yeah. oh my God.
0: Yeah. So he tries to light Jared on fire mm-hmm. and Jared only survives because he transforms into a bird and mm-hmm. flies away and it is masterful I like, was in Eden Robinson's palm just oh my gosh I think I actually have tears in my eyes it was so good <laughs> <laughs>
1: It is so good. And it's this moment where you think it's all over. And then yes. he's a raven, and it, mm-hmm. it's echoing back all of that imagery from the first book. But yes. it's also so Phoenix-like, right? Mm-hmm. That he's rising up out of this near-immolation experience to mm-hmm. be completely transformed. Yes. And yet he's Jared, so... He can't quite control the flying properly and (laughs) he keeps finding feathers when he thinks he's transformed back. I'm like, you know, Eden Robinson is so gifted at giving us these moments of absolute epic scope Mm -hmm. without ever losing track of who the individuals are who are in this world.
0: Yeah, like this doesn't suddenly turn into magical creatures battling each other for supremacy, although we're about to get there. Mm -hmm. This is still... Jared saying, "Oh, I don't want to feel this way anymore." And oh, it feels weird to puke again because I haven't puked for so long because I've been sober.
1: And his mantra, right? Right. His mantra that has been, you know, whether he was encountering one of his magical aunts or one of his magical grandparents, you know, there's all these figures who he keeps saying to them, "I am a human. I am a human. Mm -hmm. I am not magical. I am not a witch. I am not a wegit. I am human." I am mm-hmm. human. And then, even as he is transforming into the raven before our eyes, he's going, I am human. This is not happening. Even though mm-hmm. to not transform will be to die, right? Yes. Oh, it's just such a good scene, Joe.
0: Yeah. So he ends up making it back to Maeve's apartment. He showers off. No one is the wiser. Like Maeve is still in her room typing out her new manuscript. You know, people are swinging by and they just think that he's tired and that he's not very responsive. So he ends up calling georgina because there is like magic afoot inside his room and And she always
1: told him if he gets in over his head with magic Mm -hmm. he can call her and joe i don't even want to talk about this because i don't want it to have happened
0: (laughs) and folks you may remember the character of georgina from the first book so she is the elderly lady who offers jared a ride in her car and then on the tv show she's one of three Shape shiftery characters where they're like mm. wearing human skin but they don't like the feel of it and it mm. turns out in this book she reveals herself to be the leader of like a pack of cubs mm-hmm So Jared calls Georgina, yes, because she offers to help him with the magic in his room, because at this point, the two ghosts that he's quite fond of have kind of like fallen into the floor, which is like a whole world, like a miniature world populated by dolphins.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Even as I'm saying this, it sounds ridiculous. It makes total sense (laughs) in the book. And so Georgina's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can absolutely do this. Hang on, just let me dive into this world. I'm just going to take off my skin, dive into this world. Mm -hmm. And her way of dealing with this is she just starts to eat these dolphin people.
1: Yes, and he's terrified that she's going to eat his two ghost friends.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a very high risk because then she telepathically sends out a message to her entire, like, cub clan to say, hey... Even if the real world dies, here's this other world that we can live in and there's limitless food because of all these dolphins. So all of these cubs start showing up, shedding their skins, going into this alternative world. And Jared's only defense to save his ghost friends and to get these cubs out of there. (sighs) He basically astral projects all of them into a different dimension. And creates a vortex that kills them all except for Georgina because they suffocate. And Georgina gets so mad that she murders Jared and then uses her magic to resuscitate him so that she can murder him again. And she's not just killing him, she is also eating him, but he's always conscious.
1: He can feel being eaten over and over and over.
0: And I don't know how long this lasts for. It's only... I'd say what, maybe like 10 or 15 pages yep. in the book, but you're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Jared is dead?
1: I didn't breathe. I didn't breathe for that whole 15 pages, I'm pretty sure.
0: And, and part of the reason that he had to kill everyone and that he's so afraid of Georgina is because she says, if you try to do anything, I will kill your ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I will kill your mom. Mm-hmm. I will track down and kill everyone that you have ever loved. And the book basically ends with Jared stranding Georgina there Mm -hmm. and being revived in our world. And you're just completely uncertain about what happens next.
1: He's back in Kitimat, right? He's Mm -hmm. in a basement.
0: Yeah, he's not in Vancouver even.
1: No, but he's in a basement somewhere in Kitimat and he can't move. And my first thought was, has she erased everything? Is he back in Kitimat and none of this last year of growth and like amazing community has happened for him?
0: Mm, I didn't take it that way because he's back in Maggie's house and she has had it packed up because she has talked about moving to Winnipeg because her new husband's family is there.
1: And the movers think he's like some guy who was partying and got left behind in there. That's right.
0: Yeah. So I take it to be just that he has jumped locations, but the timeline remains intact.
1: I'm so worried about him. (laughs)
0: and that is the problem right Mm -hmm. it's not a problem it's one of the strengths of this book is how deeply we care about jared about his Mm -hmm. recovery about his willingness to just stop acting like he has to handle everything himself like that was what i wanted from his arc in this book and i don't get it and i don't get it purposely
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: But oh boy, I want to reach into the pages and just shake him and say, will you please trust an adult? Oh, wait, I said this in book one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just trust an adult.
0: I mean, there is growth, right?
1: There is growth. But the thing that's frustrating, I think, from an outside reader is, well, all readers are outside the book. (laughs) (laughs) I think the thing that's frustrating for the reader is there are adults he can trust now, right? Like in book one, it was like, well, what adult is he going to go to? These people Mm -hmm. are all useless.
0: They really were. Yeah, they're awful.
1: in book two, there are so many people who show Jared true community that on the one Mm -hmm. hand, I'm like, oh, don't call Georgina. Like of all people to call. Oh, she's the
0: worst. She's the
1: worst you could possibly pick. And I was reading, I love Goodreads reviews. Well, I don't at all, but they are. <laughs> I was going to
0: say, oh, do you? <laughs> no,
1: no, I don't at all, but they are useful for just individual perspectives, and particularly mm-hmm. perspectives that you don't have. And right. someone had a review that was saying, you know, when you're an abused kid, yeah, you are hyper aware of everything about everyone around you, and the way that Jared knows everything, like after his first time making tea for Maeve, he never forgets how exactly she likes. tea right Mm -hmm. and like every detail that he remembers of everyone the way he makes sure that justice who is i guess she's gluten-free and uh, vegan i think
0: yeah she's one of the neighbors
1: yes and the way she he makes sure that like when he cooks dinner for everyone he has a separate plate ready for her that accommodates her needs and stuff like Mm -hmm. he's hyper aware of how to keep everyone around him content but it's a also a way of distancing because they just assume he's good because he's got everything taken care of for them and everybody keeps yeah. praising him and thanking him. But at no point does he open up to Mm-mm. any of them about what's really happening. And it's so frustrating. So, so frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, totally true to life.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everything about this rings true. Even the fact that because he was abused and let down by so many people growing up, like obviously he's not just going to be able to shed that like no. Georgina sheds a skin. It's just, it's so hard, particularly, mm-hmm. I think, as an adult reader, to look at a child who, for once in his life, has actually stumbled into a slightly positive situation after so many years of just not good stuff. Mm-hmm. And Jared still cannot let go of the abuse obviously he is still traumatized like if you think about it he has never really opened up to anybody Mm -hmm. about what happened he has never received therapy he has never received spiritual guidance like Mm -hmm. and you're right because he's got all these coping mechanisms people just default assume that he's fine he is a teenager in recovery and people are just like oh you're going to another meeting okay
1: <laughs> well and like i don't even think he ever really told sarah the full story of what happened to him right mm-hmm. like i don't think there's anybody who knows everything that jared has been through except us as the reader which forges this intense intimacy but yeah. also it makes us feel like i feel responsible I feel for responsible. jared yeah yeah
0: yeah and he's got an eye on the exit at every single mm-hmm. situation like he is ready to bail the minute that someone disappoints him because that is mm-hmm. all he has ever known like mm-hmm. What a rich, complicated, troubled protagonist. And we would be remiss to suggest that Jared doesn't gain a certain amount of incremental growth in this book because he mm-hmm. does, right?
1: I was just gonna say he accomplishes so much over the course of the book, right? Which I think Mm -hmm. is why when my first reaction to him just being back in his mom's basement is pure heartbreak, because he has done so much for himself.
0: Mm -hmm. Only to end back up exactly where he started.
1: Oh, my God. I can't take it.
0: And where do we go from here? Like, we get repeated refrains throughout the book that when he gets into his feelings, he becomes... Almost a beacon, like in the way that the apartment does, but he sends it out like a radio signal, so that's how uh he gets discovered by this new <laughs> new family member, Nija, who is a sea otter, so not quite the same people who bit off one of his toes in the first book,
1: but we're still afraid of otters, thank you very much
0: yes and she is stunningly gorgeous so she disarms everyone with her beauty but meanwhile she actually has the ability to manipulate and control Jared just with her mind
1: yep and Hank wants her so bad (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, which is unfortunate, right? Because it feels like it happens right at a moment where Jared might have begun to open up to Hank about David and his cycle of abuse. And instead, he's just like, oh, you're all distracted by this hot chick. I guess I'll have to deal with my own problems.
1: This is how Eden Robinson is so masterful, right? Because they are just at this moment of breakthrough in their relationship. Like Mm -hmm. Maeve has been trying so hard to show Jared how Hank communicates like affection and Mm -hmm. she's trying to get Hank and Jared to befriend each other and they're like they're so almost there Mm -hmm. and then then... hot witch sister otter shows up and it's like (laughs) oh it's all over
0: (laughs) and this is something that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on one thing that I've noticed learning from indigenous community members is that there are very specific ways of going about things so Obviously, the oral tradition, obviously, the focus on like animals and connection to the land, but also a very disinterested take on telling stories in a conventional fashion. Mm. So, I found a review on Quill and Choir. So bitchy. So this review says, Robinson appears to be employing a similar approach to Peter Jackson in his film version of The Hobbit, stretching a single novel's worth of story over three heavily padded installments. Like,
1: Get out of here.
0: <laughs> I mean, A, it's not even comparable, because why are we talking about a movie version of a book?
1: Also, by the way, there's no walking.
0: <laughs> and you would know. <laughs> That to me is this reviewer telling me that they don't understand how Indigenous storytelling and literature Mm -hmm. works because everything about Trickster Drift feels incredibly Indigenous in terms of not just the characters, but the way the narrative does and doesn't satisfy us and go in a way that we think it should.
1: Well, and there's a lot here. There's a lot of quiet moments, as you were describing earlier, but they're all so clearly intentional by the end of the Mm -hmm. book, right? Like, it's so clear why Jared feeds people the way he does and why we have to see so much of that. It's so clear why we have to see him getting comfortable in order to be so devastated by the ending. Mm -hmm. It's so clear that we need those cyclical moments of the I am human refrain. It's so clear why he needs to meet and then be disappointed by magical figure after magical figure so Mm -hmm. that the only person he thinks he can call on is Georgina at the end like it's all so clearly necessary that I'm just like did you just look at the page count and decide you didn't want to deal with it or did you read this book at all
0: I mean, I get the impression that they read it on a surface level and said, oh, well, the plot doesn't interest me because it's Mm -hmm. just a guy trying to get his life back in order and encountering many, many family members. And it's like, it's just so much more than that. And A, I don't think that's giving Eden Robinson any credit for how she Mm -hmm. has crafted the story. And B, I just think that's lazy reading.
1: Yes, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And bad reading from a reviewer in particular, because the reviewer's job is not just to say whether they like it or didn't like it. The reviewer's job is to figure out what the author is doing mm-hmm. and determine whether or not they are successful at it. And that review did not do its job.
0: No, no. And I mean, I'm I'm not going to take someone to task if they turn around and say, you know what, this book didn't work for me because this storytelling style is out of my comfort zone or i really like i had to sit and process this because Mm -hmm. it feels like the book has a certain pacing and then we get to this ending and all of a sudden in about the last 50 pages it's as though robinson just slams on the gas Mm -hmm. and i had to take a step back because i was confronted and then i realized i felt this exact same way about son of a trickster yeah it's like oh well that's not a her thing that's a me thing
1: well, yeah, exactly. And it's okay for a book to not be for you. The important thing is to recognize the difference between a book not being for you, and actually having the audacity to publish in a national publication <laughs> that that this is three heavily padded installments. Like, are you kidding?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> okay, so... We are almost out of time. So, Brenna, Mm. I am intrigued. Obviously, you have cued us to the fact that you would like to read the third book. Oh,
1: my God. Yes, so badly.
0: Where do you think this is going to go?
1: I don't know. So, my hope, so I know I always take the mom tack. My hope (laughs) is that the fact that he is back in Kitimat means that Maggie will get a moment of redemption in the third book she actually does come
0: a long way like we Mm never we barely interact with her in person in this book it's almost all all by text which i also love as a creative decision and she is also showing a certain amount of growth
1: Mm -hmm. and i really want i need this is what i need (laughs) i need for maggie to save jared from this In some capacity, Mm -hmm. really, just need her to do that. I don't know if she will. I somehow doubt Eden Robinson is going to give that to me in a in an unproblematic way. But Mm -hmm. it's what I need.
0: Yeah, I agree. I would love that. You know, even something as satisfying as like, let's get rid of David immediately Mm -hmm. in the beginning Mm -hmm. of book three, so we can Mm -hmm. just allow Jared to figure out how he wants to live his life. I am worried i fear for the safety of many of these characters Mm -hmm. because eden robinson shows a surprising capacity for violence Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't put it past her to knock one of these people off
1: i agree except for the part that it's surprising you should read an eden robinson novel (laughs) called blood sport it's violent um but (laughs) all this to say yeah no i a hundred percent I'm worried for these characters. I'm especially very worried for Maeve and that whole world. Yeah. Because I think that the only way to really hurt Jared right now, I mean, there's basically three ways, right? Like, I think ultimately harming Maggie would hurt him. Yes. Obviously harming Sarah would yes. hurt him. But the destruction of that community mm. would devastate him. Yeah. And my, I suspect that Georgina is heading right there as soon as she can. I
0: mean it's basically a hell note so even if it's not georgina who knows what is descending upon that apartment Mm -hmm. because it is kind of unprotected Mm -hmm. i'm worried (sighs) okay so folks that is our take on trickster drift
1: you gotta read it people
0: i would be curious to hear if people if you eventually catch up with us do send us your thoughts
1: and we are definitely going to do the third book for a book club at some point, right?
0: I think so. Okay, good. If not, like, I will just read it for myself.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we might as well get some content out of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I didn't realize it was already out. So I can just go and get it right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. But don't till we've decided. Right. Okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. You can disagree with me for you This does not feel like a bingo book to me.
0: No, no, I didn't even plan on it.
1: Okay, good. all (laughs) right folks so from truly joe from the sublime to the ridiculous because our next text (laughs) is i know what you did last summer by Mm -hmm. lois duncan and the 1997 film of the same name Mm -hmm. which is well quite a lot of fun but in a very different way
0: indeed yes (laughs) and ironically enough our episode is dropping a couple of days after the new Amazon TV version of this story, which also bears no resemblance to either the book or the film.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, this is such a weird timeline.
0: It really is.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, Joe. So if folks want to get in touch with us because they do eventually pick up this book and want to share, you can find us at HKHSpod or on the hashtag HKHSpod. If you've got something longer to share with us about Eden Robinson, or if you've got some recommendations in the same vein, we'd love to hear them. Mm. HKHSpod at gmail.com. Joe, if they want to talk to you about this amazing book, where do they find you?
0: I am available at Beast on My Remote, and that's the letter B.
1: And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And um,
0: oh, before you do it, we should let people know that there is, of course, a new book for Book Club next month. So, folks, we're going to be reading Jeff Zentner's The Serpent King for November.
1: I am super excited for this. I'm adding this to my pantheon of books I'm exposing Joe to to see if I can find a teenage boy protagonist he likes.
0: (laughs) The search continues.
1: The search continues. And also, this is a book that deals head-on with class and poverty. So,
0: yeah, very excited
1: to read this one with you.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: So, yeah, that's where we're at. So pick up Serpent King's Watch. I Know What You Did Last Summer. And until next time, I will see you on the page.
0: And I will see you on the screen. And then there's a little girl. Emma? Emma? No, um...
1: Okay. Emily? No, I think it starts with Jay, doesn't it? Um,
0: crap. Hang on. I'm sorry.
1: No, you' sorry. I'm not like I'm re- remembering it. She's such a good character. Wow.
0: Do you want me to just grab the book?
1: Yeah. I don't okay. Have, I don't have the book handy.
0: All right. One sec. I gotta jump to another room.
1: Okay.
0: Back in one sec. Okay.
1: Eliza! 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 Joe, it's Eliza! 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 Joe,
0: it's Eliza! Eliza! Okay, we're gonna make do.
1: <laughs> it's Eliza! It's Eliza!
0: Eliza, okay,
1: there we go. <laughs> I was like yelling at it. <laughs> You're in the other room. <laughs>
0: uh, hilarious. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I've already taken it back to the library. Okay. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> Eliza.